Hey guys, this is Dustin Langley. I'm the senior pastor at Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington. And this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week. Hope you have a blessed day. We are in a new series and we are titling it, titling it, At War. At War. I mean, we're not talking about a physical war here, church. When we're talking about war, at least from a biblical perspective, we have to realize that we're not battling against flesh and blood. Yes, there's conflict happening all over the world. You can't deny that. We know that's happening. However, I believe that these physical conflicts and these real wars that are happening in the flesh all over the world are really, they're the outcome of what's happening spiritually. I believe there are rulers and principalities and powers of darkness that rule and they try to take people out, divide nations. And I believe that our adversary is not of this world. It's the devil, amen. And if we don't identify the enemy, how are we supposed to fight? And as we identify who it is that we are truly fighting against, then I believe we are more, I would say, successful in our battle because we can aim our focus and all of our warfare at the devil and not at the people who have surrounded us and are trying to take us out. Now, it is good to have self-defense. Anybody in this room, you feel like you can defend yourself? Yeah, I'm sure some of y'all got some guns, right? Yep, not a bad thing to have. Not a bad thing to have. Somebody in this room is hating me right now for saying that. It's okay. It's my right to have one. So there's that. Um, Other than that, (laughs) what I'm trying to instill here is a biblical perspective on what it means to be at war. Because we are in conflict Some of you, there's chaos in your families. Some of you, you're fighting for your jobs right now. You're fighting with your boss. Some of you, you're fighting with your neighbor. Some of you, you're just fighting with your dog, right? That thing is of the devil, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I think cats are. I mean... (laughs) I don't, I, have you ever, I'm, what do the cats do in the middle of the night? They sound possessed. I lay in bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's breaking? Cats, they're demon possessed. But what we must realize is that our enemy is not of this world. We're not fighting against our brothers and sisters, right? We might think that the battle is overseas and in a different country, but the real battle is happening right here in our homes, in this community, and it's because the devil would do anything that he can to try to try to cut off the light so that the word of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ won't spread. But Peninsula Life Church is going to make it real hard to go to hell around here. Amen. And that's one of our visions and our missions. We want to help you know Jesus and to make him known to our community. But when it comes to this series at war, we're really talking about a passage in scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16, excuse me, verses 10 through 18. And we're going to be talking for the next couple of weeks about the armor of God. Some of you, you've read about it, right? We like to strap on the belt of truth. You like to put on the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the gospel, those shoes, good for sharing the gospel, right? You put the helmet of salvation on 
the shield of faith, you put on that sword, which is the word of God. And I think this is what we must realize, that because we are in battle, we must understand and learn what to take in to battle. And this armor of God, this full armor of God is necessary for every war that we're going to go into spiritually. And not just little fragments or pieces of it. I can't just strap on the belt of truth and call it good. No, I need every aspect of the armor of God if I'm going to fully fight this spiritual battle that I'm currently in. Because we're all in a battle, whether we know it or not, because the devil is fighting for your soul. Scripture says that we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if we don't have the whole armor of God on, then we are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. And today I'm going to cover the first aspect or the first piece of armor listed in the armor of God, and that is the belt of truth. Truth, if you ask me, it's not subjective, right? Truth isn't truth just because you say it is. Truth is absolute. There has to be an absolute. Truth has to be objective. If it's not, then where do we get standards? Where do we get laws? Where do we have moral constructs that govern society? First of all, if anybody wants to talk about God in general, you might try to prove him through science. You might try to prove him through different means of biology or cosmology. You might try to prove God with mathematics. I don't care about any of that because let's just get down to the question of morality. Where is there absolute morality? Is there absolute truth? Because if there isn't, then whatever you say goes and it doesn't matter what the next person thinks. And so I believe truth is more important now than ever before. Not your truth. I'm talking about the truth, Jesus Christ. The truth, the fullness of truth of God in the flesh. He is the embodiment of what truth is. His promises are true. His words are true. But he, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, is truth, which means we have an arrow pointing north. We have a true north star. We have somebody who shows us the way in which we should go, the difference between right and wrong. Truth, my friend, is objective. It is absolute. And yes, it is offensive and it can be narrow at times. But scripture says here in the first part of Ephesians, when we talk about the armor of God, when we read about it, it says this, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now I'm going to stop for just a second because there's th some things that stand out to me, especially in verse 10. It says to stand strong or be strong in the strength of his might, which means the battle is not yours and you're not going to win it based off of how strong you are. Because everything that I have to fight against the enemy comes from God. And it says that it is in the strength of his might, not my might. And then we go on, we read later on, and it says, 
the whole armor of God is what I need to put on. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. And verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. And then again, in verse 13, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Well, what is the whole armor of God? We see in verse 14, it says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So our war, as we read here, is not physical, but it is spiritual. And in order to fight this war, we have to don the entire armor of God, not just the belt, not just the helmet or the shield or the sword, because many of us, we just want to put on a little bit of weight because, you know, that whole armor of God gets real heavy at times. Can I get an amen from any Christian in the room? There it is. You know, I stepped on the scale in the new year and I thought to myself, that seems out of whack. It's really high. Could have been from all the holiday eating or it's just my, you know, the armor of God's real heavy. So when I'm wearing it, it's just, it reflects itself in, in quite a different manner at times. But the armor of God is necessary. The full armor of God is necessary when we're fighting the spiritual. And for me, I believe that the first the first piece of equipment listed on this on these on this set of armor i think that the belt of truth is the first part of armor listed because without truth we are lost as a society think about this it's interesting that paul does write the belt of truth was it intentional who knows i'd like to think that it is because if we don't know the difference between right and wrong if we don't know the word of god and what god says if we didn't have the bible if we didn't have um i would say if we did not have the objective morality aspect of God, our Father, written down in the Word of God, I think society would be in chaos right now, right? And it just so happens that America was founded on some biblical values. Would you agree with me? Okay, I would like to think then that that has had some awesome ramifications throughout these hundreds of years that we've been over here. Because God's word happens to work, church, and his word is true. And when we live with moral values that actually value human life, then we as a society can prosper. Because when you think, when we think human life is valuable, we live a little differently, don't we? And so... As I mentioned, this war that we're fighting, it's not physical, it's spiritual, and the enemy will do anything that he can to try to make us think that human life is not valuable, which is why I believe that the first piece of armor listed in Ephesians is the belt of truth, because if the enemy can get you to think that there is no truth, and you just do you, whatever works, it's all good, you can be whatever you want to be, or act however you want to act, if we have a society that way, 
way, we have chaos and confusion, and those are a bunch of lies that lead to destruction. And it just so happens that the devil is the father of lies. In our society, I think people, well, I don't think, I know that this idea of uh, relativism is being taught to this next generation coming up. You might be familiar with that term or ideology. And relativism, what it says at the end of the day is that no moral value, nobody else's moral value is superior than anybody else's. That whatever you value or believe is good for you, which means, and also then means that whatever you do is the result of your values. Therefore, if you offend somebody, you do whatever, you kill somebody, then that's a part of your moral construct and nobody's as right and nobody's as wrong. And we wonder why we are where we are. But this is what's being taught to the next generation. And the world is trying to make truth subjective, which is why if we can't define what truth is or where it comes from, then you can't have standards. You, there are no more moral values then. There is no true north. There is no way forward because we're in this hodgepodge of craziness and whatever you say goes and whatever I say goes. I don't want to live in a world that has no truth because that means two plus two doesn't have to equal four, church. And I said this earlier, and I truly believe this. I think we try to, I think that the world is trying to do away with truth because it is offensive at times. Because you either, you're either on the side of it or you aren't. And when you aren't on the side of truth, it's offensive. It hurts sometimes, right? If the speed limit says 65, that's the law, that's the truth. When you're riding on I-5, that's the truth. It's 65. If you're going 75 and you get pulled over and you get a ticket, that's your fault, right? You don't get to argue with the police officer and said, well, I felt like it was 75. Like, and I feel like it should be. Therefore, I don't get to get a ticket today. I I'm glad you feel that way, but the truth is it's 65, right? And this is how we're bringing children up. Whatever you feel, it's all good. It's all good. You know, you used to be able to say to your child, you can be whatever you want to be, but now people are taking it literally to some serious extremes. And it's scary because the last time I looked on uh, one of the websites, and I won't even name the website, but when you look, there's like this isn't truth. Well, there's like 74 genders now is what I heard. Now, I know that there's there's the argument that gender's different than sex. Okay, that's still, let's go to sex then. There's two, right? But at the end of the day, it's like we are teaching children to, I mean, if a child wants to be something, say, if they want to be a furry, if they want to be a whatever, right, then let them be a donkey. That's fine. But at least share the truth with them, right, so that they can then make a choice based off of the fact that there is truth. And then, you know what? They are going to make their decisions one day when they get older. But this is what I do know. The enemy is going to attempt to destroy every good truth that God has instilled in society because if he can tear down objective moral truth, then what he can do is create chaos. What he can do then is start to manipulate. He can start to make people think that, oh man, maybe I really can be that. I'm just going to do however I feel. I don't need, what's the point of getting married? There's no point in being married. Marry whoever you want, right? Because if there is no truth, then there is no right and wrong. And if the devil can tear down those boundaries and the, and the idea of what is good and what isn't, then we now have a society of relativism with people doing whatever. Because let me put it this way, church, all over the world, 
even in some of the remotest, the most remote parts of the world. You go to the tribes in Africa, the remote ones who still don't have any technology. They're still living off the land. And you talk to the humans that are there. The missionaries will go in and they'll talk. And what you find is that even in a remote tribe that has no access to American thoughts or ideology or Western civilization, we can put it that way, still within their moral code, deep down inside, when they're asked on how do they govern, how do, what is their civilization like, killing another human being is still bad. Why? Because the word of God, the moral truth of God is written in each and every one of our hearts. Why? Because in Genesis, it says we are made in the likeness and image of God. He has established what is good, what is right, what is true? And I want to be the one who will continually be the one that fights for that truth to help lead people to know Jesus so that they can be taken out of this world of confusion and led to a place and to a person, Jesus, who brings life and life more abundantly. It says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, this was Jesus talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to get Jesus all caught up in a, in a pickle. They, they wanted him to fail. They wanted him to say something wrong. And Jesus just responded to them and said, you are the father or you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He, he being the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Man, the devil's doing a whole lot to spread some lies and he'll do anything that he can to make us think we're not who we truly are. When, we, when you were in your mother's womb, God formed you and fashioned you. He knew you even before that. You were uniquely and wonderfully made. There was a plan and purpose for your life. And the devil likes to come along and he tries to tell you you're nothing. You're no good. Ah, go ahead and just go do that. Whatever makes you feel good, do it because there's nothing in the end, which is interesting to me because a lot of atheists and a lot of people who don't believe in God or a God, they say, you know, you ask them the question, well, how did the universe come? Where did it come from? It came from nothing. I thought something can't come from nothing. Isn't that a law? And then you ask them, well, what happens when you die? And they say, nothing. That's a whole lot of nothing happening in a world where it seems like where there's a lot of value and meaning and purpose, right? Our God is a God who instilled value in every human life, who has made it true that you are worth it, that you are meaningful, that you have an, ex an existence on this earth that is purposeful, that life is worth living for and protecting. Don't let the devil try to lie to you and tell you you're not worthy. Don't let him, don't believe his lies from, the, from this enemy who will do anything he can to try to tear down the beautiful creation that God has created in you, right? We are his workmanship, the Bible says. You are his masterpiece that he has created. And the lies of the enemy will do anything. He will do anything to put it in your head that you are nothing, that you came from nothing. And when you die, you're going to go to nothing. Why is it when you hold that baby for the very first time that you see 
so much joy, so much life in your hands, right? When you hold a baby, you can't help but smile and think that this is the most precious thing in the entire. Why? Because there's value and love and joy wrapped up in that human soul. And that's the truth that the world is trying to take away, that there is no value to life. There is no meaning to life. So do whatever you want. Enjoy it now, right? James Dean says, live fast and die hard or live hard die fast. There we go. The truth is ultimately important because at the end of the day, life has consequences for being wrong. Do you agree with that statement? Right. And you know, I understand, right? We hear all these success stories that, you know, I had to fail 10 times before I finally made it, right? Those, that's good. Okay. That was, that was a little bit of motivation to get to where you wanted to go. But the reality, when we start making major life decisions based off of lies or inaccurate information, making major decisions based off of falsehoods ultimately lead to destruction, right? Which is why if we don't have the truth, there are consequences to being wrong. I think of it this way. If I got the wrong flight information and I needed to get to San Diego, but it took me to Virginia, that's a consequence because I didn't have the truth. And that actually happened to me. And I was in the military. I was supposed to be to San Diego. I needed to be there. And I got a ticket and it was going to take me to Virginia. But the lady, as I'm on the plane, because how did I even get on the plane? Somebody wasn't doing their job. (laughs) First me, I take ownership of that. But like that could have been a serious consequence, right? Because all of you know, if you're in the military, when you're not at the right place at the right time and where you're supposed to be, there's consequences. It would have been my fault. I'll put it that way. But what, I mean, let's, let's take it a little bit further, right? If you're investing your entire retirement into some penny stocks or crypto or something because you're like, you got a hunch, there are ramifications to your actions for placing your secure retirement in something so volatile, right? And if we don't have the truth, the full story, or if there is no predictability in that type of investment in what you're putting in, then there are going to be consequences for being wrong. And if we take it even a step further, right? If, If you have a sickness, if you're fighting cancer, if you have a disease or an illness that you're living with and there's medication that you have to take, first of all, I believe you're healed in Jesus' name, amen? I'm believing for healing for my own life, right? Am I gonna get healed now? I don't know, but I will be healed when I leave this world. I know that. But if I don't take what's given to me and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to do this instead, right? There are consequences to the decisions that I make based off of whatever falsehood I might believe in instead of taking the expert opinion or the opinion from somebody who knows what they're doing. And so I want to say this before we go, that the enemy is doing everything that he can to destroy truth so that chaos Division, confusion can ensue and continue here in our world. But Jesus has come and is alive and well. And he is the true. He is the one who brings meaning and purpose to this life. He is more true than any government authority. He is more true than your psychologist and your therapist. He has more truth wrapped up in his pinky than he does anybody in the government. I know that. He also is way more true than any coalition or cause that I'm fighting for. Jesus is the truth of this world. And the Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And I read that. And when I read those words for the first time before I was ever saved, it brought 
a new perspective because I had been in search of truth for a really long time, right? Because when you don't have a Northern star, when you don't have objective morality, when you're living just to do you and nobody else, and when you're living with the idea that anybody can do whatever they want, anytime they want, then there's a lot of chaos that happens. And there's a lot of chaos in our own soul. And, there, and I was so confused. I had no idea which direction I was going, what I wanted for my life, who to marry, right? Man, when you follow Jesus, there is a pretty solid blueprint for who you should marry. <laughs> Somebody who's saved. Okay, let's start there. And so my life was full of confusion and chaos. I didn't know truth because I didn't have Jesus. I didn't have a standard. I didn't have objective morality to live on. But when I gave my life to him and I read this scripture in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, which means I had a way to go now. I, 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 I no longer was lost and astray. I was no longer just winging it on my own based off of expert opinion or whatever a podcast I listened to that morning. And he says, I am the truth and the life. And when we have truth in Jesus, we not only get to live with a clear compass right now on this earth, we gain eternal life because our God isn't content with you just living a decent life now. No, he says, I have something even greater for you after this life, because you are valuable. You are his child. And it, when you take John 14, and we just read verse six, when you take John 14 and you read it as a whole, what it really does is begin to bring more truth and certainty, not for just here and now, but for when you leave this body and enter into the presence of God. It says in John chapter 14, verses two through seven. So now we're taking the whole passage. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And I was at that point in my life, I was like, how do I figure out who God is? Which one? Muhammad? Mary? Buddha? I was under the impression that all roads led to God. Remember I mentioned earlier, truth is narrow. And it's not that Jesus is exclusive. He just doesn't want anybody led astray, amen. When he says, I am the way to the, and the truth and the life and nobody comes to the Father except through me, he's not saying, no, no, it's only for some of you if you believe. No, it's for all of us. We just need to choose to believe. As I've said before, Jesus Christ is the most inclusive exclusion I've ever been a part of, Christianity in and of itself. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.